on this episode of Why Watch That. Give me the bread and the fishes and the wine that turned from the water. Like that's the kind of miracle I'm talking about. So this I just was a new age, a new age version of a, uh, what does it feed me, Seymour? Uh, what is, what is yes, feed me? What is, the, what is that feed little shot? <laughs> feed me all night long. <laughs> 2.0 little shot. You can oh, it. <laughs> it was almost like in Defending Your Life when Meryl Streep is there and, you know, they're investigating her life and they're all like, oh, you're amazing. You know, we'll be back tomorrow just to enjoy the rest of it. We, we already know where you're going. Like, it's kind of like that where it's, really? We're going to send you to Tulsa. You can have the whole city. He's like, Tulsa? What's Tulsa? It's in Oklahoma. I know where in Tulsa, Tulsa is. <laughs> it's just like in, uh, in the Nick when he was like, I know where Paris is. <laughs> Because there are two Australians he meets at a bar. They kind of don't get along. And he's like, do you really want to fight me? Because, you know, I know all of this stuff. I was trained. I will destroy you. And essentially, he's like, all I had to do was learn this speech and everybody would have left me alone. That's all I needed to train it, this speech. I'm just not a catastrophizing person. So when people do that, I'm kind of like, okay, well, what if we had social media and phones 50 years ago? What do you think you would have seen? I'm looking at her husband like, at some point, you got to go. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Uh, all of this is in the press. They're tapping phones and no, 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 no. Welcome to Why Watch That, your guide to the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. We're on a quest to go from channel to channel platform to platform and festival to festival to help you figure out what you want to watch we do all the work so you don't have to so get ready for some unexpectedly candid and entertaining reviews that will help you answer the ultimate question why watch that Welcome to another episode of Why Watch That, where we help you to navigate through all of the content that exists in the world to find something that you'll love to watch. My name and is Brandon, And we try to producer. do it right, producer, without being dry. My name is Guy, <laughs> and you are lady. <laughs> Shout out to people who are commenting. We do appreciate it. And we yes. will engage you if you comment. We really do. Yes. We just bring it, because it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. I will try not to be dry in my reviews. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we should change it though. We shouldn't have the critic and the producer. It needs to be guy and lady. Lady. Guy and lady. Let's go. Let's change it. Let's see. We can do it. We can, oh, we gosh. Can. Are you really going to do this? All right. We're not dry. We're not dry as the Sahara. Here we go. <laughs> now, in French, that's geek. That's geek. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, lady. Oh my God. So if 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 um this is your first time tuning in to watch that, you know, you never know what you're gonna get. Um, but we give you options always, options on things to watch and options on where you can consume us. So you can consume us 
on video via YouTube and our website, whywatchthat.com, or on any of the podcast platforms, Apple, Twitcher, Twitch, Stitcher, or any of this stuff is um is available. Yeah, that Twitch, so I wish. If you put <laughs> look, if we could get that Twitch money, I look. <laughs> we really, we're gonna get on Twitch, okay? Let's look into it. Maybe no, that'll be a 2023 that. thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's people on Twitch that aren't gamers, though. Well, we we not them either. Mm, that's true too. Um, all right, guys, let's get back to I don't our know regular. What you get into there, but I'm not going there with you. <laughs> <laughs> Do y'all think you're thinking about that other platform? There's culture stuff happening on Twitch for people other yes, than gamers. gaming. <laughs> and then there's some people who game and do some other stuff too. So you know. We are, we try to be at most PG-13, so we can't really go down that rabbit hole. Thank you, lady. Okay, so what? But again, shout out to all the comments. Bring it. We love all of them. It, it's, it's funny for us to read. It really, it really, really is. Yes. Like we say, that's how you show us love. Comment, like, share, subscribe um, to our channel. So if you haven't done that yet, there's a bell or something somewhere on the screen. Um, hit it. You'll be able to access all this stuff when it first comes out, or at least get notified when it comes out. Um, yes. Yep. So. Let's kick this off today. We have a mixed bag, which we often like to serve a little, a little mix. You know, what was that, that, that popcorn that they had, the Garnet popcorn, the Chicago style popcorn, a little bit of caramel, a little bit of cheese mixed all up and it made a little nice. It was, you know, it sounds funky, but in your mouth, it's divine. In your mouth. This is that salt. <laughs> you love the salt sweetie profile. I am not going to have cheese and caramel. I guarantee oh, it that. Is delicious. It's delicious. So anyway, this is, we're providing you with a uh, mixed bag, especially as we come into holiday season. Um, it's a holiday popcorn. All right. <laughs> to kick it off with movies. First look with uh, Netflix's The Wonder. Um, and that's going to be opening in theaters on November the 2nd. So critic or the guy, um, what is this about? <laughs> who is in it and who should be watching? Yeah, so it is directed by Sebastian Lalo. Screenplay by Emma Donahue, Alice Birch, and Sebastian. Based on Emma's book, The Wonder. So the same title. It's starring Florence Pugh, Tom Burke, Tyler Lord Cassidy, Elaine Cassidy, and others. <laughs> oh, boy. So look at here. All right. The movie starts producer, and we're like on a soundstage or something. I don't know. Like, not even set up. Like, you would go to set and see this, and they're about to put everything together. And we have a voiceover of someone talking about, hey, believe, believe, and the importance of stories. Okay, so the camera's panning across this, and then it eventually, on the screen, on like the right side, you start to see the real set of the movie, and then you get to the location. So you're like, all right, well, you are saying to believe, but you're showing me that I shouldn't. What's the message going on here? And then we come to find that it is 1862, and we're in Ireland. An English woman has traveled there to investigate something. And this English woman is played by Florence, and her name is Lib Wright. Lib is a nurse. So why is she called to Ireland, way out in this small Irish town? Well, because there is a miracle happening. 
Uh-huh. Just like Cole House says, a miracle happened. I found out where she is. <laughs> <laughs> is that like no, that's not the getting ready to rag. It is, it is very it good. You get points today for that. Very good. Yes. I found out where he, where she is. That's exactly before that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my to see that she takes me back, ladies yes. and gentlemen. To get ready rag. Yes. <laughs> From Ragtime, everybody, if you don't know that Broadway music. Don't know the reference, yes. <laughs> okay. So she is brought in. She's a nurse, obviously, to investigate whether this is happening. There's an 11-year-old girl who hasn't eaten for months, but hasn't lost weight or anything. She's being fed by manna from heaven. The church is involved. There's a doctor involved. There's a reporter played by Tom Burke. So she's got to see, is this true or not? Is this really a miracle? And there's also a nun who's a nurse who's there to be like the competing witness. Now, of course, Lib is not really buying this and she needs to get down to the bottom of it. But will people thwart her efforts? And when she figures out what's really happening, is she going to want to feed this girl? What does that mean? So what are all of these people up to? Because everybody has something in their past that's informing this present. That includes Lib. She had a major loss that makes her feel like she is the one who's supposed to save this little girl. The reporter, he is from the area. He, they won't let him see her, the little girl. But there's something that's in his past that he's trying to make up for. Is he going to be able to do that? What about this doctor and the church leaders and everything else? What's up with them? And what about the little girl herself? Does she have a reason to lie if she's lying? Or has the hand of God just scooped her up and put her into the bosom of not being able to eat or not needing it? So that's really the story without me giving it away. And really, there isn't much to the story, to be honest. This is all about atmosphere. And music, you know, music like that. And you're like, okay, <laughs> where, where have I gone? What world am I in? What is going on? So it is more suspense and, well, I'd say suspense than drama. That's really what's happening. If you think of movies like The Witch or Midsummer, which also starred Florence, if you like those things, I would say check this out. If you didn't, I don't know. Not that this is exactly like those, but I think it might appeal to the same sensibility. You know, for me, producer, I'm just like, I don't buy this. Like, there's no way you can get me to buy this. You got to eat. If you don't eat, you're going to lose weight. If you are not eating and not losing weight, then you are eating. <laughs> like, sorry. Is she the original breatharian? Sorry to all my breatharian <laughs> brethren. I'm not buying it. Because all I was saying to myself, producer, was just take her somewhere, sit her down, and don't feed her and wear. <laughs> like, this is not that difficult. Also, is this the miracle? Is the miracle that God is going to help us not have to eat? Isn't it the opposite? Like, Jesus fed the people. He didn't starve them and say, oh, no, you okay? Well, I mean, listen, but if you don't have to eat, that is the miracle because then you have to go out and find food. And if there's some type of famine but coming. What kind of miracle is that is my point. You know, people like to eat for a reason. Like it's built into us by God, if you want to say that, because you need to eat. Okay. So like 
it's better if you're doing a miracle just to me, it's better to feed me than to starve me. That's what I'm saying. It's better to take up to not say, oh, okay, I'm gonna starve you, but you'll be okay with it. No, feed me. Give me the bread and the fishes and the wine that turn from the water. Like that's the kind of miracle I'm talking about. So this I just was like a new age, a new age version of a. Uh... What is it? Feed me, Seymour. Uh, what is what is yes, feed me? What is, the, what is that? What is that? Little shot. Feed me all <laughs> night long. Two point little shot. You can over do here. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So right. you know, it didn't quite click to me, and the explanation of it, I was just like, well, you know, I didn't hate it. The acting's good. You know, Florence is always good. I love Tom Burke. Um, it was nice to see him in here as well. By the way, for Tom Burke, everybody, um, there is a show he was in that was on Cinemax. It's called CB Strike or Strike if you are across the pond. Hopefully it's still on HBO Max. I, I don't remember. But if you haven't seen that, you like a, you know, kind of Sherlock Holmes type thing. He and Holiday Grange are pretty good. Um, so there you go. Again, if The Witch and Midsummer are your kind of thing, then. I would check this out. It's just not that big of a payoff to me in the end. Got it. All right. Yeah. So we're going to head on into TV series premieres, and we're going to start with uh, The Calling, brought to us by Peacock. So, Critic, what are your thoughts on the new series, The Calling? Who's in it? What is it about? Who should be watching? And coming from the wonder into the calling, uh, it's more, oh, you know, is there a miracle happening, religion, and all this other stuff happening. But this is not a period piece at all. So for the calling, it is created by David E. Kelly. Oh, who created all kinds of stuff. Doogie Hauser and Chicago Hope and The Practice and so on and so forth. And David's kind of having a resurgence right now. He's got a lot of stuff going on. So, okay, it's going to be a legal procedural, but with a twist. So it starts off, and, and this is how it works. We have um, Jeff Wilbush playing Detective Avi. And Avi is a practicing Jewish man. You know, his faith is important to him and important to his ability to solve cases. Like, he's a legend. That's how good he is and getting confessions, and things like that. So we start, and there's this hot dog killer, like literally somebody in a hot dog costume killed somebody, and he gets the guy to confess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're sitting sitting in the interrogation room across from each other, but Avi, you know- Does he have the hot dog suit on? He has it on. Okay, got it. Yes, it could be Oscar Mayer. You know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those, though. You know, you put your head in in the hot dog. Like, that was fun. So, of course, he gets this guy to confess. And all of his colleagues are, you know, in the behind the, the mirror that, you know, the one-way mirror behind that going, oh, wow, you, we can't believe how amazing he is. Oh, my gosh. No one can do it like him. <laughs> so that's how we're introduced to him. And there is another detective, Detective... Uh, Janine Harris, who wants to be his partner, you know, he doesn't want partners. He's better on his own. She, you know, throws something at him about his religion. Like, you know, if someone asks you to be a student, you can't turn them away. So, of course, he's got to go along with that. There's the captain played by Karen Robinson, 
who was memorably in Shit's Creek, you know, so she's here and she's also, you know, with her popcorn, like everybody else looking at him going, I can't believe how amazing he is. And then we have also another detective played by Michael Mosley, Detective Earl, and he's just a fan. So what happens is we get into the proper case for this season because there's six episodes all available right now on Peacock. So what happens is there is um, a little kid, a little boy who goes missing and he lives in an apartment complex. This is New York. And he's connected to this would-be writer who's a neighbor. So we're introduced to this writer and we see him being rejected by his writing teacher. His teacher read his book. And the teacher said, you need to do something else. I don't know what, but this ain't for you. Mm. Now, he has a wife who believes in him. He's got to tell her the truth. He's very upset. How does this connect to this little boy? We find out that he was tutoring this little boy. He doesn't know anything about this disappearance. So, of course, they've got to get down to the bottom of what's actually happening here. And the more they investigate, the more they learn what kind of secrets are in the offing and so on and so forth. When I was watching this, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. I, I, I was like, are they joking? Like, really, I was like, is this a joke? But they're not joking. <laughs> it's like a spoof. It's almost like a spoof of a detective procedural. Like, when they were saying, oh, it's amazing when he was getting this hot dog killer. Are you kidding? Like, it was almost like a defending your life when Meryl Streep is there and, you know, they're investigating her life and they're all like, oh, you're amazing. You know, we'll be back tomorrow just to enjoy the rest of it. We, we already know where you're going. Like, it's kind of like that where it's. Really? That's just I mean, you got to see this to believe it. That's what I would say. You got to see it to believe it. That would be the reason to watch The Calling. Yeah. So good luck. All right. Next up on our TV series premieres, we have something from uh, Paramount Plus <laughs> entitled Tulsa King. <laughs> yeah. So um, what is uh, Tulsa King about? Who's in it? Who should be watching? It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's what it's about. That's who's in it. Um, it is coming to us from the great Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> who, you know, mostly does stuff I really like, you know, sometimes, mm, but most of the time, yes, Sicario, and of course, Yellowstone, everybody loves that, and, mm -hmm. you know, and so on and so forth. This is starring Sylvester Stallone on television. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and Max Casella is in here, who, speaking of Doogie Hauser, was Doogie Hauser's best friend. That's Max Casella. Yeah, that's him. And then he was in The Sopranos and so on. He was uh, Timon on Broadway in The Lion King as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, Max Casella. Love Max. Uh, Dominic Lombardozzi is in it. Vincent Piazza is coming in here. Uh, Andrea Savage, Martin Starr, Gilfoyle himself is here. And a bunch of other people. Garrett uh, Hedlund. So Dana Delaney, Annabella Sciorra will show up eventually. Uh, they got a cast. So Sylvester Stallone plays a mobster. He's been in prison for 25 years. He's lost his wife. He's lost his daughter during that time. He hasn't talked to his daughter in 18 years. You know, last thing he got from her was when she was a kid and she sent him $5 and said, you know, get yourself something at the commissary. <laughs> okay. okay. So he gets out. He goes to, you know, 
the family that's supposed to take care of them. And they're kind of like, well, things have changed in 25 years. We ain't got nothing for you. He's like, what are you talking about? I took a murder rap for you, boss. Because the boss has made his son the underboss. They have a new capo played by Vincent. You know, Sylvester ain't feeling none of this. You know, he going to knock somebody out literally. And his character's name is Dwight Manfredi, nicknamed the general. But they go, hold on, we're going to take care of you. You're not going to knock everybody out. We're going to send you to Tulsa. You can have the whole city. He's like, Tulsa? What's Tulsa? It's in Oklahoma. I know where Tulsa, Tulsa is. <laughs> it's just like in, uh, in the Nick when he was like, I know where Paris is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. If you haven't seen the Nick, at least just watch that. It's at the beginning. Please. I know where Paris is. Okay. So, eventually goes to Tulsa. It's called Tulsa King. The people of Tulsa aren't into crime like this. You know, he's doing like you would do normally in New York, you know, casing the place. He sees this pot dispensary that Martin Starr is running. He's like, let me go in there and see what's happening there. They're like, what are you talking about? It's legal. Because he's like, where's the money? Where do you keep it? <laughs> like, it's legal. He's like, it's not legal. You put this in a bank and the feds are coming. So where's the money? It's that kind of thing. He ends up at a honky-tonk bar, you know, and meets some people there. It's just random. It's really random. Like, he meets his driver, of course, coming out of the airport. He's going to hire this guy. Like, we've seen this kind of thing before. And the guy, he gives the guy all this money to buy a car, and that turns into a problem. And, you know, where is he going to stay? He's staying in a the dump. Then he's like, why am I staying in this dump? It's just a lot of stuff that's just happening because Taylor Sheridan just I don't know. It just popped into his head and he decided to put it into a script. It's kind of like what's happening here. This is Sylvester Stallone having fun. It's That's really what it is. If you want to see that, the execution is, I mean, a sledgehammer would be shocked by the bluntness <laughs> of this. Is this a great first episode? It is not. But it is not difficult to watch. The whole time, my brother and I are like, okay, how do we get here? What is going on? Am I supposed to be laughing? Because it is comedic, but it's not quite landing. Um, so that's what I would say. I mean, it's a Fisher out of water story with Sylvester. I think you'll know quite quickly whether it works for you. Um, I don't know. I'll probably watch the second episode just to see what happens. But this seems like something I'm going to stop watching rather quickly. No hate, though. All right. <laughs> this seems like a perfect time for a coffee break. Now, what is a coffee break here at Why Watch That? <laughs> it's when we announce that we are on buymeacoffee.com. Now, Buy Me A Coffee is a platform where you can show your support for the work that we do here at Why Watch That. We like coffee, tea, um, biscuits, uh, donuts, all those things <laughs> to go along with it. Taylor Sheridan being random, very good. <laughs> You like carrots and radishes, <laughs> Cheerios, kale, <laughs> walnuts. Um, <laughs> and in the event you want to show your support in another way besides filling our tummies with liquids and foods, you can like, share, subscribe, comment on the episodes. Um, ultimately, guys, this is just our fun way to say we thank you for showing up and uh, allowing us to help you figure out what to watch. And if you want to show your support in any way, we're appreciative.
Yes. Again, buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Next up, we have um, Rogue Heroes, which is brought to us by Epics. This is uh, something new. Let's assume it's a, a superhero no. movie. Or TV? No, no superhero TV series. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. So I'm going to let the real life though. heroes. Oh, real hero. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. Got it. The one, yes, the ones that. What is he? All heroes don't wear capes. Got it. So, um, <laughs> we'll let the critic do his job. He's going to tell us who's in it, who should be watching it, <laughs> and what is it about. So this comes to us by Stephen Knight. And if you're going, Stephen Knight, who's that? Stephen Knight? Well, excuse me. We have all kinds of things from Stephen Knight that you know, in particular, Peaky Blinders. So, okay. And it is starring Connor uh, Swindells, Jack O'Connell, Alfie Allen. Whoa, okay. So, I mean, some of these people you know, uh, and for for instance, Jack was in uh, Godless for TV, the movie Unbroken. He was in that. Um, when it comes to Alfie Allen, he was in Game of Thrones. You know who he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Not good what happened to him. Theon Greyjoy. Whew. Sophia Butella is in it. Dominic West is here. Also in The Crown right now. And others. So, this is really about the formation of the Special Air Service during World War II. So, it's Great Britain, their uh, military forces, how did this come to be? And they even say at the beginning, essentially, you won't believe that this is real, like how this happened. Because it wasn't some official sanction to do it. It was really three main guys in the show who decided, we're going to create this on our own. Because we don't like the way this is going down. So, it's 1941. They're in the Egyptian desert. And the first person we meet is Connor's character, David Sterling. Now, keep in mind, these are real people. And he is in this caravan across the desert, finds out that they don't have enough oil to make it all the way. Why not? Incompetence. He's kind of just done with the whole thing. He's drinking. That's how he makes his way through the war. His father was in the military before him. So, you know, it's kind of like, is this a nepotism thing that's happening for him? Or does he have some sort of competence? Does he even care? But I'll tell you this. If you threaten him, he has a speech ready for you. And it was something like straight out of Peaky Blinders from Stephen Knight, the way he was writing it. So if you think of what Killian Murphy would say in those speeches, it's kind of like that. Because there are two Australians he meets at a bar. They kind of don't get along. And he's like, do you really want to fight me? Because, you know, I know all of this stuff. I was trained. I will destroy you. And essentially, he's like, all I had to do was learn this speech and everybody would have left me alone. That's all I needed in training, this speech. Okay. Now, the two buddies he's going to meet up with, played by Jack and Alfie, Jack's character is Patty Maine and Alfie's character is Jock Lewis. So when it comes to Jock, he's the one who has this bright idea. He's like, let's create a parachute regiment. So the big wigs, they can dither about. Like, it's still the First World War. We're going to take things in our own hands and get this done. So he's got to get people, you know, to join him. Hey, let's go and parachute and do our own missions. Who's going to listen to that? Where are they going to get the parachutes? Right? Now, for Patty, Patty's, like, fighting his way out of a prison or something. Does he want anything to do with either of these two? 
is the question. But action might be enough. You say, hey, we got some action for you. He might be there. So in the first episode, they're setting up who they are separately before they really come together. And it's really going to be like this adventurous war kind of show that's irreverent. You know, these guys are on the outside of what would be appropriate. But we know that they succeed. We know that they start something that lasts. So, you know, that's the question. Do you want to see that? Do you want to see Stephen Knight do that kind of show is the question. I think it's fun enough for a lot of people if you want an adventure war show, as I described. And again, if you kind of like Peaky Blinders and you want to see that, this probably will work. I've only seen the first episode. For me, I was like, okay, you know, it's fine. Cool. What's next? <gasps> All right. So next, we're going to head into our TV series finale. Um, and that is The Good Fight, season six, brought to us by Paramount+. Plus. So how did the season end, Critic? And series, right? This, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So this comes to us from the Kings, Robert and Michelle along with Phil Alden Robinson. Remember, this is a spinoff of The Good Wife. It stars Christine Baranski and a bunch of other people. Right now, it's Audra McDonald and Audrey Brower is in there, Charmaine Bigwa, a bunch of people. So in this final season, Diane, played by Christine, is really at a crossroads. She got to figure out everything. Because in the show, all kinds of craziness is happening. There's a protest out on the streets right in front of this legal firm's building, you know, tear gas and bombs and threats. And, you know, the whole country is about to fall apart. The Democrats versus the Republicans. And where is all of this going? It's a bunch of catastrophizing. There might be no way out. And keep in mind that Diane is married to a conservative. You know, he works for the NRA. Is that still going to work for her? Or do they need to be separated? Is love not enough to overcome those differences? And she meets a doctor who helps her to deal with all of these anxieties. Um, and, well, she finds that this doctor is more like her. She can talk to him about art and all kinds of things in life that she can't talk to her husband about. So what's happening there? Now, we know that Diane from the beginning of this series has no problem taking some drugs. It's this whole thing about psychedelics. So this doctor is helping her take these psychedelics responsibly. And it seems to have helped. John Slattery plays the doctor, by the way. Okay. So that's one main thing. What is the state of Diane Lockhart? Now, in this season, there are assassinations and all other kinds of stuff happening. I mean, it's crazy. And keep in mind that this firm that Diane is in is a black firm, and it is now headed by Audra's character. Now, Audra has a rival or a potential partner in the form of Andre Brower. He's another named partner with her against her will. Can she trust this guy? Why does he want to be this named partner? And he really wants to take over. Does he want to include her? Well, there's something 
that connects her to him via her father who started this firm. And we know her father was a pioneer legal mind, but he had a lot of problems in his closet. He's gone now. He was played by Louis Gossett Jr. But she's still contending with that. Now, we also have the other associates and people working for them. There is, of course, Jay, their investigator. There is Marissa, who was the investigator, is now a junior lawyer. There's Charmaine's character, who has always been a mystery. Who is she? She is, seems to be a criminal whisperer. I mean, any crime boss, she'll be your lawyer because she's about that money. And something happens to all three of them. In particular for Jay, he's at a crossroads too. Does he want to stay at this firm or does he want to fight the good fight for real? There is an outfit of shadowy figures who are on the prowl and are avenging and protecting black people. And the tip of the spear here is played by Felicia Rashad. It's like these, they added John Slattery, Felicia Rashad, and Andre Bauer in one season. Okay. Okay. All right. So Jay is kind of like, they're getting things done. This is what I really want to do. Do I want to be at this law firm? You know, can he recruit Charmaine's character into this? She's a mercenary. So that's another question as well. And of course, across the season in the good fight fashion, there are different cases that help the Kings and their writing staff to poke and prod what's happening politically. So all kinds of things in the zeitgeist come in here. And my thing is the closer we've gotten to the end of this show, the less potent it's been to me. They've been a little less consistent, in my opinion. And it's a tricky thing to do because you do have to, if you're going to do this, really be on it in writing. So to me, sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. I'm just not a catastrophizing person. So when people do that, I'm kind of like, okay, well, what if we had social media and phones 50 years ago? What do you think you would have seen? The world is always bad. The like same that thing, just, yeah. yeah, it just is not potent to me. I don't think that everything is about to spin off of its axis right now. I just don't. Like, but if you do then this might work for you. You can catastrophize with them. It just doesn't interest me that much. Like there was an episode toward the end of this final season producer when I was like, that's interesting because there was this whole thing about sickle cell and bone marrow needing a transplant for it. Can we get it? And then is there maybe uh, a particular new study that's happening, a new treatment that they could get? So they had to deal with this young kid who's attached to Andre's character who's about to die, and he, at every turn, is getting rejected. So what are the different things they can do as lawyers to try to get him to stay alive? Like, there were some interesting thoughts there. It was a fresh story, and they could still deal with political things in an interesting way. There was a bit of humor. There was a bit of heart. There were twists and turns. And there was a big old, uh, at the end, shock. That, to me, is this show. Um, so I think overall... They did a fine job. It's just to me, I couldn't take them seriously all the time anymore. And it really was wacky, like some of the stuff they came up with. Um, so it's more of an experimental show to me in the end of different ideas they're throwing to see what sticks. Some of it did, some, some of it didn't. But I did finish the entire thing. I just like the first few seasons better than the ending seasons. I would put it that way. 
Yeah. Got it. Okay. We're gonna head on Great into cast, our though. like the casting. Yeah, the casting sounds amazing. Yeah. Can't fault the cast. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're going to head into our TV season premiere. Speaking of cast. Um, yes, another cast brought to us by good old Netflix. And The Crown is back for season five. And if you did not know, season six will be the last season for this series. Um, so, Critic, how did season five kick off? Yeah. An end, right? Um, so, here we go. So once again, we have a new cast because each cast gets two seasons. So this is the final cast. And this time, Imelda Staunton is playing Queen Elizabeth II. Jonathan Price is playing her husband, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. Leslie Manville is playing Prince, Princess Margaret. Dominic Mess, uh, West sorry, is here as Charles, the Prince of Wales. Johnny Lee Miller is playing the Prime Minister, John Major, at this time. Olivia Williams is playing Camilla and Natasha McElhoney comes in here and Elizabeth Debicki is playing Diana, Princess of Wales. You know, again, they don't play with this casting. So really what this season is about is age and duty, responsibility. People are getting older. What does that mean? For the queen, for Prince Philip, time is passing them by. Is she still relevant? Can she keep up with the times? Or is it just, well, I got to wash my hands. I am who I am. I'm no longer relatable. You know, there are things that people do that aren't for the queen. She just can't grasp it. She doesn't understand it. They even, they have a lot of different metaphors for this. And even in one episode, she has her old television and uh, Prince William is saying to her, you need a new TV. You need to get a satellite." light. And she's like, you know, everything around here is a metaphor, (laughs) even the TV for me. So for them, for the older guard, the question is, I mean, is anyone even paying attention to us, listening? Do they have respect for us? And when it comes to Prince Philip, he still wants to be out there. The queen is insular. You know, the queen likes to stay at home, watch a little bit of racing. You know, not be disturbed by the outside world. Prince Philip wants to get out there. And he does that. He finds a companion in Natasha's character, who is the wife of his godson. So it's kind of messy. And the queen finds out about this from him. And he's kind of like, look, this is my friend. This is what I need. You got to do some stuff to make this work so that people don't get the wrong idea. Is the queen amenable to that? Because the queen is like, you are supposed to be my soulmate. What happened? The older we get, the further apart we move. But they're the old guard. You know, this ain't about divorcing or anything like that. No, 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 no. No, they support each other. It's just, are our lives compatible outside of the public face? Now, when it comes to her children, we, of course, have Prince Charles. and. Charles and Diana, at this point, it's time for a divorce. Will the queen agree? We know Prince Philip is not feeling it. But Charles and Diana, they they just keep coming back and saying, please get us out of this. Diana keeps reaching out, lashing out, doing interviews. This season, we get the Martin Bashir interview. Oh, boy. So you know what's going to happen in the end. The question is, how do we get there? 
And of course, this is fictional. We don't know that any of this is real, what we see in the show that hasn't been literally on our screens from the real people. So this is them filling that in. So, you know, that's a part of watching the show. What could they have been thinking at this time that led to these behaviors? And of course, Charles is still in love with Camilla. Camilla is a married woman. What's going to happen in that relationship? I'm looking at her husband like at some point, you have to go. (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Uh, they, all of this is in the press. They're tapping phones and no, 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 no. So you see what happens there. But Charles has a different idea for the monarchy. He likes being progressive. He does want to change things. Okay. Let's, hey, you want to get rid of this ship? You don't want to pay for it? I'm all down for it. I'm down for that. Let's revitalize this monarchy, and he's the man to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, he has a sister, Anne, and, you know, Anne is, like, ready to get married again after being divorced more than once, I believe. And the queen is like, oh, my gosh, you can't. No, and you can't marry this man. Does the queen relent? And her reaction to that, her response, her sister Margaret is kind of like, you ruined my love life. Excuse me. So way back in the first season, we knew who she wanted to marry. And this guy comes back up. And we know every season, Margaret's got to have a blow up with the queen and remind her of what she did and what she's doing to everybody else. So we get that here as well. You know, just like the queen and Prince Philip for Margaret, time has passed. She can't go back and marry this man. Mm. And then, of course, there are Charles and Diana's sons. In particular, William is the one they uh, bring in to the fore in the season. You know, he's finally going away to school without his family. And he's a very introspective, thoughtful kid. You know, he is caught between a rock and a hard place. He loves all of these people. They can't get along. He loves his granny, his great granny, his father, his mother. The mother is putting burdens on him that aren't responsible. Even the queen is like, uh, you shouldn't be worried about your mother. I got to agree with her on that. Like, that's a lot. But he can handle it. The question is, should he have to handle it? So we see what's going to happen with him. So it's these three generations, again, dealing with the changing in time. We got the youngest generation now starting to grow up, starting to be aware of what's happening. How's that going to inform who they become? We have the Charles generation and Diana, where they're really in the thick of it. They're trying to claim legitimacy and attention. And then, of of course, the old guard that people just want to boot out, it seems. So that's where we are broadly. I think that this season really is setting up the final season. That's how it felt to me. Um, It's the least successful season so far. But I still think it works because this is a proper drama. I would say in my British English, it's a proper drama. And when it's at its best, they do these wonderful things of weaving a lot of different things that happen in history to inform on the story. For instance, the Bolsheviks killed um, the Tsar and Tsarina of Russia who were related to the queen, right? They were cousins of her grandfather, grandmother, that whole kind of thing. And they show us at the time the decision that was made by her grandparents to really not help out 
their relatives. What was going on behind that? So you think that you know, but then maybe you don't. They use that to tie it into Prince Philip and Natasha's character with the queen. Like, what a thought. So we see what happens, what the Bolsheviks did. We see what was uh, the thought pattern of the royals, we think. We then have Natasha's character who has a take on why they did what they did. And of course, she meets the queen because Prince Philip is like, you got to meet her and she might have something to tell you about what happened. But then the queen goes, "Okay, you have this theory, but maybe you missed something. So we learned something about what happened at that time historically. But we also learned something about these people, their relationships. And really, that's what this show is about. This show, all of these characters have a defined, clear personality that everyone's stepping into. We've seen that the queen is aged and she's gotten more and more silent across time. So, you know, every uh, actor who plays her, it's more removed. You can just see it happening. It's an interesting thing they're doing there. And another great thing they did, similar to the Bolshevik storyline, was the Fayeds. We know that unfortunately, Lady Di and Dodie, we know what happened to them in the end, tragically. But how do you introduce the Fayeds is the question. In this show, they don't just introduce them as, oh, okay, they meet Diana and what happens there. No, we go back to who they actually are because it's not just Dodie, but it's also his father, Muhammad Al-Fayed, who's a billionaire. And Muhammad wants to have influence in elite circles. He has his eyes fixed on the British royals. How can he get their attention? Let me buy a castle. Let me buy Harrods. They shop there, that kind of thing. And anyone else who's not important, he, you know, get them out of here. I don't want to deal with them. And in particular, they have this event and there's someone serving the people. This someone is not the kind of look that Muhammad wants. This person, though, is Sidney Johnson. And in this episode, they show us Sidney, who was the valet or valet, as they say, of the former king, the uncle of Queen Elizabeth, the one who abdicated. So Sidney Johnson, a black man, was his valet. He and his wife, Wallace Simpson, were cool with that. Remember, they were in league with the Nazis. So it's like, what is going on here? So this man ends up serving at this shindig. And Mahab is like, get him out of here. His son Dodi is like, okay, but if you knew his background, you might be interested. And so Muhammad's like, say what now? Get him back. Let me make him my valet. <laughs> Shameless. <laughs> Shameless. <gasps> so that's how we are introduced to them. We see then how Muhammad meets Princess Di. That's the one. We see Dodie, who's trying to get his father's attention and respect. And, you know, he wants to take over his father's empire. We see how he becomes a Hollywood film producer. He produced Chariots of Fire, which won an Oscar. What happened after that? And is he going to get his father's approval? Because he, at the end of the season, is engaged. But to whom? Mm hmm. So, see, the thing is, they're building up the Fayeds for us as an audience, so they have at least enough stature to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a storyline with Princess Di, where they're rich enough to not seem like people who were just used 
for that potential purpose. So that's really the key to this show when it's at its best. It's where they can take history and weave different pieces together and, again, tell us about who these people are, things that we don't know. But, of course, it is fictionalized. So I still liked it. I definitely appreciated the acting. Uh, I think that this, again, is the least successful season because it just seems to me like a setup for season six when everything is going to happen and just brace yourselves for that. But, you know, casting wise, they always know what they're doing. And even writing wise, just know that the previous seasons are a bit stronger. All right. There you have it. We've reached another end of a why watch that episode we've given you a variety of things to to pick from and um we're, we're hopeful that you're going to find something that you love to watch until the next time thanks for joining us for up-to-date info and to share what's on your watch list be sure to follow us on facebook instagram youtube and tiktok at why watch that and on twitter at wwt radio also you can visit us at whywatchthat.com. And while you're at it, don't forget to go ahead and rate Why Watch That Radio on iTunes. Let's keep the conversation going. 